Storytelling is marketing's oxygen. Your brand cannot survive without it. Hi, my name is Nyquia, and I am the founder of The Marketing Profit, a global digital marketing agency. I have mastered the art of storytelling and marketing strategy from the greatest storyteller of all time. Yes, girl, you got that right. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. The Scriptures, Stories, and Strategies podcast is here to help faith-based content creators create a universal community within their online business that sparks engagement, prompts actions, and generates income using lessons from the only business book you really need, your Bible. Let's begin. Hello, loves, and welcome back to the Scripture Stories and Strategies podcast. If you're new and skip past that introduction, you probably have no clue who I am. Well, I'm your host, Nyquia. I'm also the founder of The Marketing Profit, which is a Christian-based global SEO marketing agency for e-commerce brands. And what we do is we help e-commerce businesses increase their global reach and visibility. We help website traffic and sales to the world's largest search engines like Google and Pinterest. However, the purpose of this podcast is to help Christian female entrepreneurs like you infuse more of their faith and God's word within their marketing and business strategies. And now I do this by taking scriptures and stories from the Bible and then transforming them into applicable business strategies so you know that Jesus is always within your business plans, business trials, and successes as your number one business partner. Speaking of business trials, <laughs> okay, so this is like a raw and honest episode. Um, I haven't done one of these in a minute, but uh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2022 to be over. Not that in retrospect, um, twenty the start of 2023 doesn't mean like something miraculously is going to happen, but I do like the idea of a fresh start. Um, honestly, the first few months of 2022 started out amazing in all parts of my life. But like these last few months, I've definitely been tested in many areas of my life to the point where I just want to give up um, or to the point where my faith is wavering. Now, I want to be real with you and let you know that I don't have it all figured out and maybe you don't either. So when it comes to my business, I've recently been like a little discouraged a bit and wanting to go in a different direction. And um, I've also come across a lot of financial burden within my business within the last couple of months. That also has me thinking that maybe this isn't the correct path for me and more and God is trying to redirect me, blah, blah, blah. Now, it's been a hard few months for me um, because my business lost so much revenue since it's built mainly upon retainer clients. And I've lost so many clients this year due to their own personal situations, um, which I totally understand. And I've really had to kick into gear my client acquisition marketing strategies. But the funny thing is, the more I tried to acquire, you know, more clients, the less I actually felt called to do this particular business anymore. Kind of like God is redirecting me. And honestly, I do have another vision um, that God has planted on my heart that I really want to see through, that I will see through. Uh, A brand new business idea. Um, It's not a service-based business. Um, It's a product-based business. And I'm so excited to get started on this, but it's, it's definitely been on my mind. And I, I think that this may actually, this trial may be a reason why um, this is happening so I can, you know, focus more on that. But anyways, um, I do feel heavily called to uh, pursue two other business directions. Uh, one is this podcast, actually. And the other one, once again, I won't say exactly what it is, but um, it is a business idea. I know for a fact that was given to me from God. Now, I don't want to give up my marketing agency, right? But I strongly feel that the burdens that are currently happening to my business here out of either disobedience of pursuing a business that's no longer my path or passion 
um, or maybe something else. And so as you can see, I'm a bit stuck right now. And when asking God for guidance, I've come up, I come back across, you know, the story of Job to really understand the reasoning for my business being tested or why I'm going through these trials. And I wanted to ultimately learn how to focus less on my business burdens and trials and focus more on God, which I found out this year is kind of hard. Um, my business fuels my personal finance, you know, it pays my bills and it allows me to put back into my business as well. And with the testing of my business these few months, I've had trouble paying bills on time, which put me in a constraint to use credit that I didn't want to use. And I've also learned this year that I really need to work on business and personal finance because your girl is, is not, is not, I'm not good at managing my money, but I'm, I'm diving into the book of Proverbs and book of Solomon to really learn more about managing finances which I've, I'm gonna have an episode on that coming up real soon hopefully before the end of this year with a special guest as well um so anyways let's get back to why I was led to read the story of Job uh, one I wanted to gain a clearer understanding of why this may be happening to me and two I wanted to learn how to focus more on God and less my business situations um if you never read the story of Job I highly recommend you pause this podcast and go read the book of Job. I've read the whole book once before, but once I read it again, God really spoke to me and that's what I'm going to share with you today, but he may speak differently to you while reading this story. Now, the book of Job is a book many people turn to in times of suffering, and it is a great lesson from God about trusting him, even when we don't understand our circumstances. Job teaches us that God does not need our understanding and he does not owe us any explanation for his actions, which I'll get to um, later in this episode topic. Uh, we In this book, we actually learn how to put our trust in God and allow him to work in our lives regardless of our understanding of our situations or circumstances or trials. Now, one thing I find so interesting in this story is that it's one of the three times, right, that Satan actually speaks in the whole Bible. The other two times he speaks is when he's testing Jesus in the wilderness and the other time, the last other time he speaks, which is the first time he speaks is in the beginning of Genesis uh, within the Garden of Eden. As always, though, we are going to be breaking down each part of this story and applying it to our businesses. For this story, we're going to try to understand the testing of our businesses as well as how to focus more on God during these trials and not more on the circumstance. Um... We're also going to see if we can understand the reason on why we're going through trials and what to do when we are going through through trials when it comes to our business. So if you have the chance to read along with me, please do. I will be reading from the ESV um, version of the Bible. Uh, before we start, you know I love to share verses that are relevant to today's topic um, or lesson. And today is going to come from one of my favorite verses, which is a very well-known verse, of course, is Jeremiah 29, but I'm going to read verses 11 through 14, which states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. Now, I love this verse because it not only applies to the Israelites in exile, it can also be applied to Job's situation and to our business trials and situations as well. And to know that God has a plan for us, the best plan, 
And to know that God's plans will prosper us and not hurt us is a wonderful gift and promise we can apply to our lives. See, God promises us a future and hope. But what I really love is that he begins to say, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Which lets me know that if we pray and seek God as children of Christ, he will hear us. He will answer us. It may not be immediately, but we can trust that he has the best intentions for us no matter our current situation. Um, he promised the Israelites in exile that he would restore their fortunes and bring them back from home from Babylon as long as they seek God with all their hearts. And we can see this also happening in Job's stories, as you will see or if you read already. And I truly believe I can apply this to all parts of my life, um, including my business as well. So let's get started. So in the first chapter, we are introduced to a guy named Job. Based on the description of who Job was and what he possessed, we can assume he was a wealthy and prosperous man that did right in the eyes of God. It says, starting in Job chapter 1 verse 3, that Job was the man greatest of all the people of the East. Now, if you read further down in chapter 1, starting in verse 6, it says, um, not that it says, but we're we're given uh, an image of being inside the heavenly court, the heavenly courtroom in front of God and his sons. And we're also introduced to Satan being there as well. Now, Satan basically starts to tell God that the only reason Job, uh, I'm sorry, Job, <laughs> the only reason Job is doing right in the Lord's eyes is because he knows you'll bless him for it. But Satan was like, but if you take everything away he already has, then if you take away everything he has that you've given him, then he'll curse you. So basically his faith in you isn't real. So the next part is a part many people actually miss. Um, In Job chapter 1 verse 12, God says, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Basically meaning uh, he can do anything but can't physically harm Job. Now, notice that Satan has to ask permission to test Job, uh, meaning that the extent to Satan's authorities fall ultimately under the sovereign governance of God. I want to pause here um, in the story because it truly made me think. The testing and trials of my business, and maybe yours as well, could be a heavenly court decision that we know nothing about. I have no idea if God has given permission to the enemy to disturb my business in order for me to grow closer to God or to accomplish something else uh, within me to prepare me for something else. Regardless, I can rest assured that all testing within my business has to go through God first, right? He has to give the stamp of approval. So if I'm facing difficulties in my business, it's no surprise to God. He actually allowed them to happen for my own good, even if I don't understand. God is the only one who has access to my future and has the best plan for my life, including my business. So whatever trials um, he's allowing to happen right now, currently, I have to trust in what he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, or even what he says in, um, I think it's Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 20, which says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And then he goes on to say, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Meaning no matter what trials my business is going through, I shouldn't spend time on what has already been done or wallow in the past on what I used to have or how successful my business used to be or how in the first couple of months of 2022, my business was thriving because God is doing something new within my career. And I can trust that he'll make a way out of no way, like making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, 
let's uh, resume to Job when Satan now has the permission to disturb Job's life. So starting in Job chapter 1 verse 13, Satan wasted no time, right? He, he got to work and he works like this today, but Satan wasted no time and went right to work. Have you ever like experienced in your life one back thing happening right after the other? Or have you ever said, if it's not one thing, it's another? <laughs> well, it's how Satan operates, I'm telling you guys, especially in the story of Job. Because immediately after given permission, one after the other, Job loses four big things from his life that we were previously told made him prosperous. Um, so let's read through verse 19. So verse 19 says, and I'm trying to find it here. Um, it says, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to, t actually, I'm sorry, I'm reading like, look at me. Let me actually read from the beginning where he first started losing things. So it says um, in verse 13, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I have alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, listen, one thing after another, I'm telling you, if I was Job right now, like I, I would just be frozen, like, because it's just too much. But um, in verse 18, this is while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I have alone have escaped to tell you. So within a matter of minutes, Job's life changed dramatically for the worse. He lost his servants to the sword of the Sabaeans, and the Sabaeans stole all of Job's uh, oxes and donkeys. He then immediately after that lost his sheep and more servants within a fire. Then immediately after that, the Chaldeans raided and took the camels and struck down Job's servants there. And then last, Job's children were taken from him due to a strong wind that collapsed the house with them in it literally one thing after another everything was taken from job now let's take a look at the very first thing he did after hearing all the news and job chapter 1 verse 20 it says then job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped now Job passed the first test by praising the Lord and embodying his grief and trusting in the Lord within the first test he did not sin and didn't blame God for what was happening now, or what happened, I should say. Now, knowing what we know of Satan, we can assume he wasn't pleased by Job's reaction and still wanted to prove God wrong. So he was actually allowed to do a second test to prove his point. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like my business this year has went through the first test. And instead of going to God and worship, I went to him and asked why. And so personally, I failed that test because I automatically put the blame on God in a way. Um, it's something I learned not to do this year and really learned from reading the book of Job. 
you know, are you guilty of doing this within your business when negative things happen one after another? Do you see yourself seeking answers from God immediately or worshiping God and giving him praise? I know for me, I want to learn to be more like Job in this first test. Now, the second test happens in Job 2, where Satan attacks Job's health. Um, and now we're back in front of the heavenly council again, along with Satan, when God asks Satan. We get the same dialogue we get during the first court hearing in chapter 1. And God asks Satan, have you found fault in my servant? Satan responds in Job 2.4, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. See, Satan felt as though since the first test didn't physically do anything to Job himself, it's possible Job only managed to um, only maintain his integrity because it only cost him only the skin, quote unquote, of his livestock and family, which he may have been happy to trade for his own. So this time, God says basically that, you know what, you have permission to attack Job's health, but you cannot kill Job. So Satan immediately strikes Job with a a loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Then Job's wife says in Job 2.9, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. See, Job responds, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? So the wise response advises Job to take the action that Satan was actually looking to provoke, which was to curse God and die. But Job's response was, wasn't to curse uh, wasn't to curse God, but he did not sin with his lips either. Now, before I continue, I want to say that sometimes Satan works through people we love. Uh, we have to remember that we aren't fighting against flesh and blood, but the spirits behind people. This is why it's so wise to be careful who you listen to when you're going through trials, which I'll explain later as we get into the story of Job. See, it's wise to seek God or godly counsel, and this pertains to our businesses as well, because sometimes we're facing trials in business um, that we may seek out of a business code for answers or a course for action and guided steps, and we disregard godly counsel or what God has to say. So not saying there's anything wrong with business code coaches and courses but what I'm trying to say is that these two don't know your past present and future these two can't bless you like God can so it's wise to seek God first and then you can seek godly counsel then proceed to take what you learn from those conversations and seek the right sources for business development because you're now going in with a stronger foundation and answer to what you need to know and I believe God will lead you to the right person or course to gain wisdom if you ask now the next part of Job takes up almost the rest of the book until we get to God's response. After hearing everything uh, Job has been through, his three friends come to show him sympathy and mourn with him. Now, the exchanges that take place between his friends are written in a poetic dialogue, and I do urge you to really dive into these conversations. Um, but I won't focus too much on these conversations in this podcast episode, but I will briefly explain what's happening. So in Job chapter 3, we see that his his friends start to arrive. And from a distance, they don't even recognize Job because of his physical appearance, because of all the sores that Satan put on him. So it was just bad. Now, they tore their robes, they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven, and sat with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights without saying a word to Job, because they saw how much he was suffering. 
Then after this, Job becomes upset and starts to curse the day of his birth. Job is, he's confused, right? He's so confused by his current situation that he wonders whether he would have been better off in the darkness of never being born at all rather than having the light of life result in such suffering and grief. I know that personally this year during my difficult business situations I've asked the same questions you know should I have even started this business should these ideas even have been brought to life what's the point anymore it would be better to go back and work for you know corporate than to be a slave to my own business etc so see Job cursed the day of his birth because it represented the path of his entire life which had led to his present distress and sometimes we may curse starting our businesses because we wouldn't be in distress today because because of it now I want to zone in on Job chapter 3 verses 13 through 19. And after reading these verses, uh, which go ahead and read them. I won't read them here. But after reading these verses, Job is basically describing death as a rest from the toil of life by picturing its effect on persons both high and low in society. He also wishes he had joined all those who were already in the state of rest rather than being born. So he also talks about uh the how death removes the constraints of social position and focusing attention on particularly on the small and the slave and those who have been weary or prisoners so think about the trials you faced in business right how many times did you feel you know what it was better to be it's better to be put uh death to work and uh it's better to put death to work in your business since your business isn't succeeding the way you want or how many times you wish you can just rest the trials of your business rather than being started to begin with so we can be this part of job when facing trials we just don't understand which is why we're going to learn within this story how to focus more on god's plan than our current trials and how we should respond in trials so now after job it first expresses his thoughts to his friends each friend takes their time to give a reason to why god is punishing job because to them job must have done something wrong right it's the only explanation that makes sense so they start probing job to see what he's done wrong that maybe he doesn't know he did and now this discussion is is too long to read over this podcast so i do recommend you read what job's three friends had to say and i'll but i'll be summarizing it up so uh basically job's three friends tells job that it's his fault that he's suffering you know that the righteous do not suffer like this that he needs to repent and god will make his troubles go away um now job knows in his heart that this is not the case like he is an innocent man the friends tell job that god only acts with justice and fairness therefore they question job who is job to question god and his actions so job is confused he's frustrated because he knows god is just but he also knows that he has not done anything wrong so the debate between the friends go back and forth throughout the book um the friends are on the attack insisting that job's suffering is his own doing and is getting what he deserves Job continues to retort that he has done nothing wrong and calls out to God for proof. Now, when it comes to our business trials, we may be prone to seek out professional counsel and advice from other experts in the area, or maybe a coach or a friend. And sometimes they reflect the same arguments that Job's three friends had. Have you ever had someone tell you, well, the reason why your business isn't successful because of X, Y, Z? 
or you should have done this or you did this wrong or the reason why you have no income in your business is because you didn't spend enough money in your business well you know whatever you've been told about the reasons your business may be failing what we can learn about the three friends of job is that sometimes it's okay to just listen to what others who are relevant to your situation have to say but the key word is listen we shouldn't automatically take action based on what others say about our business until we can confirm or talk to God first. And as Christian entrepreneurs, it's important to make this a daily practice. I mean, I mean, this is something I'm working on. I know I could work on doing this. Uh, I mean, I won't lie. I love to tap into the mind of experts who are once in my position that could possibly help me skip the burdens of running a business and get to where I want to get faster. But when I think about it, God has the best answer. You know, not them. They can give great advice, but who's confirming that? Who says that's the best advice? Who says that's the right path? You know, that's the path that probably worked for them. That was God's plan for them. But how did I know their advice would work for me? They don't know my business um, in and out like, you know, I do. So once again, I'm not saying... Seeking out professional counsel in your business is unwise, but it surely is a great thing to do. Um, but it surely is a great thing to do, but you should listen more than act when it comes to advice within your business and then seek godly counsel based on what you've taken and from others. At least this is what I strongly believe, and I'll get more into seeking godly counsel later on in this podcast episode. But now back to Job. So before he cries out to God for a direct answer, and before God answers him, we actually hear from a fourth person named Elihu or Elihu. I'm honestly not sure how to pronounce it, but uh, now Elihu was present the whole time during the argument, but this is the first time we're actually hearing from him in Job chapter 32. He wasn't considered one of the three friends and he kind of comes out of nowhere. Now, Elihu, he was angry at Job because he felt that Job justified himself rather than God. And he was also mad at the three friends because they had found no answer Although they had declared Job had to be in the wrong some way, somehow. So Elihu felt that Job was more concerned about being right himself than God being right. And because they were years older than him, Elihu had waited to speak to Job out of respect for those older than him. And so Elihu had held back for as long as he felt he could. Now, he did feel that he simply just had to speak. So in the book of Job, he speaks all the way to chapter 37. And we learned something that neither Job nor his friends had discovered, basically, that the suffering of the righteous is not a token of God's enmity, but of his love. And it's not a punishment of their sins, but a refinement of their righteousness. And it's not a preparation for destruction, but a protection from destruction. So the three friends have been wrong, right? Suffering is not the proof of wickedness, and Job had been wrong. His suffering was not the proof of God's um, arbitrariness, nor had God become his enemy. So Elihu, or Elihu, has come to put the argument on a new footing. And now after all this, Job does not even argue back with him. Now, Job had been successful in silencing or counter-arguing with his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Or, um, but he does not say one word against Elihu, even though Elihu challenged him in Job uh, 33, verse 32, where he says, if you have anything to say, answer me. And the easiest explanation for the silence is that Job agreed with him. When God speaks, which we'll get to in a few, he also does not rebuke Elihu, but rebukes the three friends. Now, probably because Elihu's words or Elihu's words are not in the same class with the words of those other three friends, but his words are true and prepare the way for the final and decisive words that God is about to respond to Job. 
Now, when I think of Elihu, I think of listening to godly counsel more than just listening to anyone, which brings me back to the point I stated earlier when we're speaking or when we're seeking answers for our business from professionals over God's response or godly counsel. Now, when I'm seeking professional expertise within my business, I do try and seek other Christian entrepreneurs who are bold in their faith because I know that they have found a way to you know, also include God within their business trials. And maybe there's something I can learn from them that I can try within my business. So in a way, when I do seek counsel, that's not God himself. I consider that godly counsel. So just be wise on who you go to and ask for advice because Proverbs 12, 22 says the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And here are some other scriptures that you can meditate on when it comes to seeking counsel. Uh, Proverbs 19, 20 through 21 says, listen to the advice, uh, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, the people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So now it's finally time to get into God's response to Job when it comes to Job questioning God and demanding answers. I greatly urge you to please study and meditate on God's response so you have a better understanding of how I'm applying this to business trials. Now, God answers Job starting in Job 38. Now, my response to reading God's answers to Job really put me in my place. (laughs) As it did Job. I want you to really put yourself in... Well, how about, okay, put yourself in my shoes, or maybe you're going through something similar within your business right now. But so for a long time, um, and it had been confirmed multiple times, but that I was, you know, supposed to be an entrepreneur and run my own business. And in the last couple of years, I've been told by God what type of business to run. And up recently, I've been given a new idea of a business to start. So now when things started to get really difficult this year within my business, I was so confused. I did not understand. I would seek God, but always ask why. Why give me this business for it to start having financial trials that affect my business and my personal life? How can I give if I'm constantly in debt due to my business trials? How can I even start this new business if my current one is going through trials? Like, I was really questioning God, like he made a mistake or something. (laughs) But can you relate? Can you, do you see yourself in my shoes? Can you relate on asking God why first over first expressing gratitude or asking for wisdom? The same as Job's response to the first test Satan put on him. This is something I personally need to learn. And I was humbled. When I say I was humbled, I even laughed a little bit because when you put it to perspective God's response, like you just, you really just start to understand how little we really are when it comes to understanding the creation of everything. But let let me, let me start reading. So uh, in Job 38 verse four, God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Now, <laughs> I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> right then and there, I, w- I was humbled because it's the truth. I have no answer greater to this question. Like, um, And I would have just, I would have been like, you know what? I'm, I'm humbled. That's enough. But no, God, God keeps going. So God dives deeper um, into the marvelous works throughout, you know, his response to Job. Think of God asking you these questions personally, you know, to a response to an answer that you demanded from him. In verse 12, God asks, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can all say no. Verse 18 says, 
Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know this. Like, come on, if God is literally telling you, you hear his voice, he's in front of you, or he's in a whirlwind like he was um, speaking to when he was speaking to Job, like, declare if you know this. Like, he's asking questions we don't know the answer to. Like, come on now. (laughs) In verse 31, he says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? This one really stuck out to me because I love astronomy. I'm fascinated by God's creation when it comes to stars and just space. I don't know if you know what if you if you're on your phone right now look up what uh the Pleiades constellation looks like it's a cluster of stars um and then also look at what um the Orion belt looks like it's a basically stars in three rows it's a it's a I'm sorry it's a line of three stars called the Orion's belt and listen to that verse it says can you bind the chains of Pilates basically meaning that cluster of stars do you keep them together do you have what it takes to keep them together for the Orion's belt, do you have what it takes to loosen the cords of Orion? Do you have that power? Like, I'm really just thinking of God asking me this personally. And like, I am so humbled. I feel so dumb. Like, who am I? <laughs> Anyways, um, these are just a few of the questions that stuck out to me as God is explaining the creation and governance of the earth he created when he's speaking to Job. And let me tell you, he would have to say no more to me because who am I as a man answers when God controls things I can never humanly explain. Uh, Even when I think of forever, like when I think about our eternal home in heaven, you guys, when I say my head starts to earth because I can't comprehend living forever and ever and ever, like I can't comprehend that it hurts my head. It's the same thing, like these questions that he's asking Job. But once again, wait, God is not done. He then proceeds to describe the governance of specific creatures. So in his first argument to Job, he's talking about the creation of the earth and what it takes to basically keep everything in balance, right? And now he's shifting over to uh, the creatures. Once again, he's asking Job these questions, but let's pretend God is saying the same to us, right? Verse one, he says, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? <laughs> I know I don't. Like, I don't know anything about mountain goats. Verse 19 through 20 says, do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe uh, his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like a locust? We do not control how a horse looks, the creation of the earth, uh, the creation of a horse, how the anatomy of a horse, like we don't, we didn't create it. He um he goes on to say so many more things about creation. And I mean, if you aren't humbled yet, let's just keep going. In verse 40, uh, and I'm sorry, in chapter 40, verse 2 of Job, God says to Job, he who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job, this is the first time he's speaking after, you know, God is, you know, saying all this stuff. Then Job answers in chapter 40, verses 4 through 5, saying, behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Basically saying exactly what I would feel if I was Job or basically how I feel in the situation now when I'm asking God about why I'm going through business trials. Like I I, I put my hand over my mouth. Like I've spoken once. You're asking me questions that I can't even fathom. I don't know how hard God actually works to make everything in balance. And I don't under like it's hurting my head right now. <laughs> but um. I love Job's response. Um, but God isn't done yet. You would think, you would think like, okay, God was like, okay, he's heard enough. But no, God was, God felt like, you know, 
he felt like you know you're demanding this of me so i'm gonna give you all the i'm gonna give you all the questions and to make you think why um why you think it's right to question me or demand something to me so he's like i'm still going to question you and i want you to really give him an explanation or a good answer to my question and god says in 49 8 will you even put me in the wrong will you condemn me that you may be in the right then God starts to talk more about the wondrous creatures he's made, like Behemoth and Leviathan. He describes the creation down to a T and how he created these in his splendor. Then Job says his last confession and repentance in Job chapter 42, verses 2 through 6, saying, "Um, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. I had heard of you, uh, I had heard of you, but the hearing of the ear, by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Like, wow. This is the same confession and repentance that I needed to pray myself for questioning God about my business trials because I can't alone lean on my own human understanding and I have no idea what God is doing within these trials to bring me my best and I shouldn't demand it either. Another thing I actually want to say um, now that it just popped in my head is that we also don't understand our business trials can also involve other people's um, other people as well when it comes to blessings like something may have to happen to another person in order for something to happen to you and when God is asking these questions to Job it just makes me think of that like we just have no idea the balance of everything we don't know who's playing a part in our life and the future we don't know who's playing a part in our life in the present that we not present that we may not be aware of that affects our business like we just don't know um now after job repents god goes on to actually rebuke job's friends but he does not rebuke um elihu and then in 42 10 god actually restores job's fortunes god gave him twice as much as he had before he even lived up to uh, 140 years which was double the normal lifespan according to psalms 90 10. like <laughs> oh wow <laughs> first of all if I was Job, I wouldn't expect anything to be done to me after I've questioned God and asked, and after even after I repented and after um uh after I repented and confessed like who am I? I'm a, such a small account. I would not expect anything because I would just feel so I would feel horrible honestly by myself, but I'd also would be enlightened. Like I just there's some things that aren't just meant to be understand or comprehended by humans and my business trials falls within that I can't help I like I don't understand and I don't have to understand God doesn't have to answer me um but I definitely would not have expected to be blessed and God blesses Job even more and I want you also to notice he never explains to Job why he did this. He never brings up the heavenly counsel in Satan. He never answers Job's questions directly. And I feel like we can apply this to us. And sometimes we're never going to know the reason why or answer to our trial, like I had said before. We just have to have faith and believe that God has our best for us according to his riches and glory. God owes us no explanation. If you can't answer any of the questions, if you can't answer 100% of the questions and the statements that God proposes when he's giving his answers we have no reason to question him 
And I that's that's on that's a hundred percent right there. That's that's real. You know, we can't even answer a simple question he deemed he deems simple, but to us seems impossible because of our human mind. So what's the moral of the story? You know, what's the moral? What can we learn from this and apply to our businesses? Um, our business trials in particular. So I found this actually great answer from the Bible Project's notes, which I love the Bible Project if you haven't, if you don't follow them on YouTube, but they have this note on the book of Job and I'll read what they say because uh, I wholeheartedly agree with what they say and they honestly just word it better. So God's answer to Job does not actually explain, you know, why righteous people suffer because the cosmos is not designed to prevent righteous people from suffering. Job questioned God's design and God responded and um, God responded that Job had insufficient knowledge to even question him in the first place. Job questioned Job. There I go again. Job questioned God's justice and God responded that Job needs to trust him and that he should not arrogantly think that God can be domesticated to conform to Job's feeble perceptions of how the cosmos should run. God asks for trust, not understanding, and states the cosmos is founded on his wisdom, not his justice. Woo, if you cannot apply that to your business, it's literally in black and white for you guys. Um, you can literally take this and apply it to your business. Your business trials, uh, you don't have to understand them. Sometimes it's not for you to know. It's just in the cosmos. It's, it's within his balance. And we just don't know. We just need to know that he has the best for us. And you don't know how that trial is actually going to be the best for you. Now, also, human pain and suffering does not always happen as a clear consequence of anyone's sin. So there may be a reason, but there may not be. And God himself said that Job's suffering was not warranted for, quote unquote, any reason. Um, he says in Job 2, 3, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. So the conversation with Satan certainly did not provide a reason, right? And that dialogue simply set the stage for the real question of the book of Job. Does God operate the universe according to the principle of retribution? And the answer to the story is no, right? Sometimes terrible things happen for no reason. Discernible to any human. And the point is that God's world is very good, but it's not perfect or always safe. It has order, order it has beauty, but it also wild it's also wild and sometimes dangerous like the two like the two creatures he was talking about behemoth and a leviathan so back to the big question of jobs or anyone's suffering when it comes to business why is there suffering in general right why is there suffering in the world why is there suffering in um you know relationships careers why whether from earthquakes wild animals or from one another god doesn't explain why he says we live in an incredibly complex amazing world that at this stage at least is not designed to prevent suffering that's god's response in this whole when he's not arguing but when he's when he's questioning or when he's talking to job job challenged god's justice and and God responded that Job doesn't have sufficient knowledge about our complex universe to make such a claim. Job demanded a full explanation from God. And what God asked Job for is trust in his wisdom and character. So Job responds with humility and repentance, just as we should if we ever find ourselves questioning God why 
are we going through this business trial? So what we should do is ask for wisdom, ask for guidance, and not just full-on accuse God. So I love, you know, I love the fact that one, Job does apologize for accusing God of injustice and acknowledges that he's overstepped his bounds, which sometimes we have to do too. And that's just called being humble. And even though Job drew hasty and wrong conclusion, God still approves the Job's wrestling. God approves of how Job approached him, honestly, with all his emotion, only wanting to talk to God himself. And God says that the right way to process through these trials or issues is through the struggle of prayer. And once again, the book of Job concludes with Job having his health, family, and wealth restored, not as a reward. Keep that in mind. This It wasn't a reward um, for good behavior, but it was simply a generous gift from God. And that's the end. <laughs> like So the book doesn't unlock the puzzle of why bad things happen to good people why bad trials happen to successful businesses. It doesn't unlock the puzzle on why God, you know, gave personally, why God gave me the vision and details of a successful business in the past and it starts to suffer from trials. Having me thinking of a whole different other business idea. Rather, what God's response does is invite us to trust God's wisdom. And when we encounter suffering, rather trying to figure out the reasons for it, uh, we and then we can we can apply this to our business trials. So when we search for reasons, we tend to either simplify God like the friends of Job, or like Job, accuse God based on limited evidence. And the Book of Job invites us to honestly bring our pain and grief to God and trust that He cares, realizing that He knows exactly what He's doing. Like I'm still learning to do that, and I and I pray you will know too if you haven't before. So that actually brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to listen to another episode of Scripture Stories and Strategies. And as always, I pray you learned something new that you can apply to your business as a Christian entrepreneur. As always, let me read to you a prayer if you're struggling right now within your business. Dear Lord, you know that my business is the passion of mine and I believe to be a gift from you. Please help me to run it in an efficient and godly manner. I ask that you give me wisdom where I need it and to lead me in the changes on the road ahead. I invite you to speak to me when I'm not sure what to do next and give me comfort when there are trials. Give me the discernment to hear your voice clearly. Please help me to serve my customers and client with a heart like yours. I want them to see your light in every time they interact with me or a step foot into my business. Help me to stand by your faith and values in my business if I come across controversy and stay steadfast in you. Lord, I am grateful for you granting me the grace, wisdom, and means to run this business even when trials come upon me. I have faith in your guidance as I ask you to give me the strength to work hard and make my business prosperous and abundant. I know you will reveal new opportunities and areas for expansion and development. Bless this business, Lord, and help it grow, flourish, and create great livelihood and grow for all those involved. I ask you to guard, um, actually guide my heart in the right direction as I make important business decisions. I give you I give into your hands this business and all that I have put into it. I have complete faith in you and trust that you will lead me to make the best decision for this business, Lord. Or start the start of a new business and give me the wisdom to trust. They are the right ones, ones for me. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer with me, I wholeheartedly believe that you will receive direction, wisdom, and guidance from God when it comes to your business trials. And just keep in mind that we sometimes will never understand why we're going, what we're going through. And maybe sometime, maybe in the future, you'll look back on this trial and you'll understand exactly why that happened and you'll be grateful why that happened. So why not be grateful now knowing that God only wants our best? Uh, Once again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. 
if you love this episode i would love 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 if you share it to a fellow christian entrepreneur so that we can spread the word of god within business all across the world that is my goal um and make sure if you're listening to apple Podcasts or spotify Podcasts that you rate this podcast five stars you know what i mean but it would just mean a lot to me and i would love for you to leave a comment down below what was your favorite takeaway from this podcast episode or what's your takeaway from the top from the podcast in general what does scripture stories and strategies help you do within your business so if you can leave that uh, down below i read all the comments and i and it makes me honestly just want to create episodes on end when i read your comments and i and i'm really grateful for all of you and i'm glad that the holy spirit works through me using my spiritual gifts to deliver these episodes to you uh i will talk to you guys soon um hopefully a couple more times for the end of the year god bless you and have a good rest of your day Do you feel that? That heat? That fuel? Girl, that's that faith fuel. And I pray you use the fuel and lessons learned today in this episode and apply them to your personal life and business journey. Feel free to screenshot this episode and share a business lesson you learned and will now be incorporating in your business. Don't forget to tag me, okay, at The Marketing Profit so I'm notified and we can talk more about how you're going to apply those lessons to your business strategy in the DMs. It would also mean so much to me to reach all the faith-based entrepreneurs who want to infuse God within their business journey. But in order to do that, I need your help to get the word out. I would love if you'd comment, rate, and subscribe to this podcast in order to help me reach those girls and share these biblical business strategies. Let them know what they're missing. Okay, don't tell them I can turn water into wine, but let them know I can turn scriptures and stories into applicable and action-packed business strategies. Thank you so much, Faith Field friend, and I will talk to you in my next episode. Have a blessed day.